Resnick and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Today we'll have an open mic show. Please feel free to call me at any time if you have a question, a comment, or you want to share with your night dream. Uh, though there is a number of things I want to share with you today, uh, all that can wait. I would rather have a conversation with you, ladies and gentlemen. But before we start, a little show and tell. I came across a quote with which I started one of my workshops. And that was something that came from the last of the great Roman emperors, Marcus Aurelius, who lived in the second century of Common Era. In fact, he lived uh, from the year 121 to 180, which is 59 years. And that, that was an old age at that time. It's hard to believe, right, that life expectancy pretty much from the first century, <clears throat> excuse me, to the middle of 18th century life, an average life lasted 35 years. So Marcus Aurelius was quite an old man, 59. So he said, truly, whatever arises in life is the right material to bring about your growth and growth of those around you. Everything contains some special purpose and hidden blessing. What then could be strange or arduous when all of life is here to greet you like an old and faithful friend? Isn't it beautiful? She got it. She understood that what we're here for. It's interesting, this, this what Marcus Aurelius said, was echoed by a physician of 20th century, Bob Randell Gibson. I don't think that I shared with you, ladies and gentlemen, in these two and a half years, or almost three years, I don't think that I told you about Bob Randell Gibson. He was a very special doctor. Uh, I think it, it's worth for me to talk to, him, to you about him. Uh, maybe we'll spend the whole show because he did incredible work and, and taught people truth about life and about health. So Bob Rendell Gibson said, truth with capital T is to see and accept what is and to see value in what is. Basically the same thing that Marcus Aurelius said 1800 years before him. Now, we are about to complete our journey through the program of six pillars of well-being. Uh, we are now on the sixth pillar. We already went through exercises of heavenly academy, heavenly court. Uh, I assume that some of you at least were interested in this journey through the sixth pillar. Uh, your moral and spiritual beliefs and experiences. So today I want to take you through another ex experience, or actually two exercises, before we complete this uh, sixth pillar of well-being. Uh, it's called melting into the divine. So uh, if you are ready, 
or get ready, those of you who would like to participate, uh, put everything aside. If you use a computer, that's fine. If you use a cell phone, put it in a speakerphone, sit comfortably, close your eyes, and gently breathe out long, slow exhalation, then regular inhalation, breathing out slowly, breathing in normally. Now take one breath out slowly and think or imagine that you're walking through a forest. Notice what kind of trees around. What time of the day is it? Is it cloudy or sunny? Now you're coming to a clearing and you see a dwelling, possibly a house. Go there. Notice how it looks. How the place makes you feel as you get closer. Now you enter this dwelling. As you enter the lobby, you see three doors, each leading to a different room. Enter the first door. It is completely empty. But on the wall, there is a full-length mirror. Look at yourself. See how other people see you. Evaluate yourself physically, intellectually. Notice how it makes you feel. Now this the room is finished, leave this room and go to the second room. It is somewhat dark and empty. There is also a mirror. As the light slowly enters the room, know that you are going to see the image of the divine in this mirror. Look deeply into the mirror. You're going to see one of the infinite images of the divine. Do not judge. Whatever you see is the right thing to see for you now. Look deeply. See what comes. Do not force it. Slowly step back from the mirror. Just be aware of how you felt and leave the room. And you make your way to the third room, which is quite dark. There is a mirror there too. As the light begins to brighten, become aware that you see yourself 
but now you are able to see yourself through the eyes of God. Let the room fill with light, so it is completely bright. Let your heart completely open to this image of yourself as seen through God's eyes. Know that this is the true nature of your being. When ready, leave this room and go out of the dwelling through the meadow, back through the forest. How is the nature? Are there any changes as you're coming back? Is it different from the way it was when you were going toward that dwelling? Know that you can live your life as if you are always viewing yourself and everything around you through the eyes of God. When ready, come back in your room and open your eyes. Well, those of you who participated probably had some, I do not know what experience you may want to share with it. I've done these exercises with people in the room, being in the physical space together, in groups of eight people to 20 people. I try to keep groups small so that everybody could share with their experience. If you feel like sharing with your experience or have questions, please call now. Uh, the number is 888-874-8888. If there are no calls, I will proceed to the final exercise of this series. If you want to participate, once again, close your eyes. And breathe out gently three times, long, slow exhalations, nice and these inhalations. Breathing out twice as slow as breathing in. Once again, you find yourself in the forest, but it's a dark forest. You imagine it or you think of it, a dark forest. You are in a circle of light coming from above now. Stand in the circle and say, Thy will be done. Feel yourself 
being taken by the hands of God. When ready, with gratitude, depart from that place, come back in your room and open your eyes. Again, if anybody wants to share with their experience or have a question, please call. I want to thank you for participating in this spiritual journey. Uh, I have seen this with my own eyes. One time I, I was teaching a class through eight people. And each person went through different experience to the same exercise and, and this series um, exploring your spiritual, moral and spiritual self, the full series of exercises included, I believe, 12 exercises I shared with you. I took you through four or five exercises, but altogether it was 12 and it was done only with people who went through many, many exercises before that. Uh, the course was called Kabbalah of Healing. And to get to these 12 exercises, people went through five weeks of simple exercising, ex exercises of exploring the psychological, mental, emotional, and physical self. So, uh, actually, I have a call from Greg from Calgary. And I'm very happy Greg called. I know who Greg is. So let's take his call. Uh, Greg, you're on the air. Welcome. Hey, Dr. Resnick. How's it going? Uh, good, good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Uh, sorry I haven't called in. I've, I've had a change of schedule, so I, it didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. Greg, did you participate in these exercises that I just gave? I I did the first one, but I was calling in on the second, and again, uh, and uh, it happened. Okay. Yeah, the you, first. Are you calling to share with your uh, experiences, or you have a question? Uh, both. Okay, go ahead. So with the exercise afterwards, I, I definitely feel a lot more relaxed and, you know, thinking about things, you know, like uh, how... I don't know, the energy, our creator would view me, you know, it's definitely uh, more relaxing, just more at ease, you know, feeling that I have, you know, there might have been some stress of the day, and mm -hmm. it just kind of melted away. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. To that. You know, thank you for sharing, uh, you know, if we could only even have glimpses, even for a short time every day, pause and see ourselves through the eyes of God, our whole perspective on life would change. Because also, <laughs> it's not only God sees us through God's eyes, but every person we encounter. So imagine Anybody you see, whether it's a person who is begging on the street, or your boss, or 
person who is being in the moment nasty, acting nasty, they are in image and likeness of God. And they are loved and totally accepted by God, even though they are doing something that God would not welcome. But God, my belief is, in my understanding, totally accepts where they are and is cheering them for make, to make changes in their journey of climbing the ladder of themselves. Uh, Greg, uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Now you have a question or you want to share something else? Well, I mean, last time that we spoke, um, like I originally called in to like help me speak in public, I guess, uh, or be comfortable. And uh, I mean, the last time you, you wanted me to speak in public, actually, but I, I didn't really have the chance to, but I did like, I was part of like a meditation group and they had comments and stuff like that. And usually I'm pretty silent in, in anything, even if it's online or in person, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, I comment, I really didn't even think about it, right? Like, like since I've been, I've mean, just been really doing the breath work that you, you've um, instructed me to do. And uh, I kind of, didn't even really think about it when normally in the past I would it would like be an anxiety to just even make a comment online you know uh, well I noticed that the other day when I was in that um, meditation group beautiful Greg you made my day <laughs> it's wonderful really <laughs> think think glad. think about it you made the leap you made it a, a, a leap into the unknown. The first time when you called, which was already like probably more than a month ago, yes, you, you were uncomfortable, but you were humble enough to, to, to admit that discomfort with thousands of, in front of thousands of people, and you were courageous enough to actually make that call knowing that you would be uncomfortable. So... There was this, uh, remember, the Wizard of Oz. The courage was within that lion. It just he needed to go on a journey to discover his courage. And that's the same with you. Look what you're doing. You're talking to me now. You know thousands of people are listening. And you're, you're fine. I'm so happy for you, Greg. Yeah, I do notice. Well, I... Like I said, like for this, the meditation group that I was commenting on, and even today, it's not even you say to call in. I just grab the phone. I, I'm calling. I don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I definitely appreciate the help. Yeah, you're you're so welcome, Greg. And the wonderful thing is now, it's like developing a muscle. You know, a person can be feeling weak afraid to exercise. Once they begin to exercise, you know, your muscles begin to develop, there is some pain in the muscles, and then you have to keep up. You have to keep working on your muscles, they become stronger and stronger. The same thing, the muscle of public speaking, communicating with people, everything will change. You you have to practice. You, you may go to the opposite. Speaking in public may become your asset. Because because if you had discomfort about speaking in the public or, or fear, it means you had strong feelings. 
you had a feeling of fear or anxiety, correct? Yes. The, the same feeling of anxiety when you take out the stories in the, of the mind, you take out the anxiety, the excitement still stays. It's much better when a person is passionate in delivering some speech rather than being flat. So you have the feelings. You are blessed to, 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 to be a person who doesn't only think but feel intensely. And now you can utilize that intensity of feeling of becoming by becoming a wonderful speaker. You know, I can see it. You remember, I shared with uh, on this show how anxious I was uh, some 40 years ago when I had to do my first presentation. I was terrified, absolutely terrified. Some people, very few, are born speakers and and are comfortable. But most of people, you know, the great communicator. Ronald Reagan, he was an actor, and and he was accepted, known as a great communicator. And yet, he was repeating five, six times State of the Union address every time he had to do it, because he was anxious. Also, Abraham Lincoln was anxious, and what beautiful, passionate speeches he delivered. So, that you have a beautiful future, Greg. Congratulations. Thanks. I appreciate it. Any other question or comment? I did want to me uh, mention something about a night dream. It was from the, um, if you you don't have any other callers or no, no, want to no, take fine. Up. Thank you for being concerned about it and uh, consider it. But I, I'm happy to hear your dream. Go ahead. Okay, it's something that I mean, it's not anything that I've had recently. It was something that I had as, as a child. I would. I would like to have a dream where I was like paralyzed and I like almost feel like I was being buried alive or something. And I, and I remember one aspect of it, of being paralyzed, but yet being like in an airplane, like flying over where, wherever a city, like being in the, in the air and but being like petrified that, but because I couldn't move, Right, and I mean, what, what what I've learned in the, recently about, like I guess, um, active dreaming or something like that, you, that you can that can happen. Like you, you could not be able to move, but yet control your dream. Or, and I do remember being able to like almost like fly like during a dream as a young child. Like I haven't done that lately, you know. Just yes. wondering what you thought of that. Yeah, you know, Greg, actually, you are talking about two experiences, one being buried alive, being constricted, the other one being free. Flying is a universal symbol of freedom. So and look what happens, what, what are we talking today about? We just I just spoke about you, you shared that you were afraid of speaking, you were if not buried alive, you were constricted. You could not speak. Remember when the word anxiety comes from Latin root angst, which means to choke. You are tight. You cannot breathe. So that's like not not being alive. So and then being able to express yourself. So this is it's almost like this dream was 
foretelling you of what is ahead of you. You can be either free or not free because the, the option was in your hands. And, uh, you know, nothing, I believe nothing happens by a chance. I almost wanted to say, uh, I wish I, I met you 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Uh, you shared with me with the dream and we would make a correction then and you would feel much more comfortable since then. But on the other hand, nothing happens by a chance. So it's, it means you were ready. You were ready to fly now, by now, not then. Sure. The dream was just talking to you about two options. Wonderful. I am happy that you dared to, to make a call and to choose to fly. You chose freedom. That's beautiful. Thank you very much, Greg, for calling. And please, anytime you want to call and share something, uh, you're welcome. And I'm happy that you're uh, one of the people in the audience. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Reiser. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have Anne from Franklin, New Jersey. And welcome. You're on the air. Hello, Anne. Hi, Dr. Resnick. How are you today? I am very good. Thank you. How are you? I am very well. Thank you. Thank you for offering this venue. Um, I really appreciate it. We had spoken once before uh, about a recent lack of joy that I was having in my dreams, and you said it indicated a lack of joy in life, and you were absolutely right. <laughs> and because I'd been thinking the opposite, that if I had joy in my dreams, then it would bring joy into my life. Um, yes. So after we spoke, um, and thank you for that enlightenment, um, the nights when I focus on things that bring me joy when I get in bed, then there's joy in my dreams. And it's funny because when I used to go to my mother's, who was, had some challenges uh, emotionally um, and physically and whatnot. Um, I, I used to do a mantra going to her home, please let her know joy. And I thought about it. I was like, well, maybe it's time for me to use that on myself. <laughs> That's beautiful. But now, Anne, we worked on you programming basically your mind, making a choice before you would go to sleep to think about something joyful. And then joy came in your night dreams. Now it's time to move the joy from your night dreams into your waking life. Exactly. That is, you wake up every morning and you sit up. First of all, to joy in your life, you need to start the day with gratitude for what you already have. So that is, you wake up, you sit up. Anyway, it's not good for you from lying position to stand up. Cardiologists are even saying you need to spend 12 seconds at least sitting up, and then you stand up. So you wake up, you sit up, and you list all the things that you are grateful for including that you're able to breathe because you know some people have a horrible night because they cannot lie their back hurts they have difficulties breathing some are on the respirators 
You come and you take a breath. That's beautiful, and the breath is light. That's wonderful. And you wake up not with from from water leaking through the holes in your roof, but well. you, under, <laughs> you see you are under a safe roof, and I bet you have some food in your refrigerator, so you're not starving. So you are you in a great place. In fact, we are probably in 10% of population, maybe 15% of population who have a roof over our head and food. So already, and if you have friends, that's fantastic. If you have children or, or brothers and sisters, this is wonderful. So you list every blessing in your life. That's what you start with. But then you make a decision. What can I do today to make one thing, not a hundred, one thing that will bring joy in my life? You see? So you begin to pull now the night dreams into your waking life. That's your, that's your next assignment. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like yeah. that. I did spend time, you had mentioned that on another show, the list, and I did. I spent I don't know how long, but just page after page of all the things that I was thankful for and all the accomplishments I've had, I've had in my life that, you know, I'm just so blessed. When you look at, you know, instead of comparing yourself to the, the to the best, you compare yourself to the least, and it just it's it's limitless. Yes, you know when. Uh, unfortunately, in my observation as a therapist for over 40 years, and observing myself, uh, unfortunately, we, we truly become happy about our life when when something bad happens. It, it's almost like we get complacent and take good things for granted, and something God wants to shake up our up and say, hey, this is a miracle that you are alive. Look how much you have. Because I, I have to tell you, what something happened a year and a half in my life, and I went through a very, very tough, tough experience for, for a few months, more than a few months. And I'm, I have to tell you, I am much happier person now. I'm probably happier than I've ever been. Because I, I faced... Relate. Yeah. All right. You see. So let's celebrate. Let's not, <laughs> because we don't celebrate, then it will be taken away. So we could celebrate. Yeah. It it reminds me actually of a story that a man came. Uh, the story is told about a rabbi. It could be told about a priest or anyone. But a guy comes to the rabbi and says, "You know, I am so miserable. I have four children." Uh, we all live in one, in, like in old times. It's, we all live in one house. It's noisy. We, we, you know, kids bicker. It's not a good life. And the rabbi says, and you know, the rabbi is ex respected. He is very bright. And so the rabbi says, you know, uh, I will help you, but you have to be committed to do exactly what I say. And the man says, yeah, I will do anything. He says, well, you know, the cow... You know, lives outside. That's how it used to be. The, you know, chickens, cows uh, were in a separate room, but that's 
That's how houses were, one room and another. He says, bring the cow uh, into the house. So, of course, a week later, a man came and said, Rabbi, I'm much worse. Uh, with the cow in the house, the cow goes moo, <laughs> and the children are fighting. I cannot take it. He said, well, okay, now, now bring, make a little space in your room and bring the chickens. You know, just uh, separate it within the room, but bring the chickens. The man, of course, you know, the, the story goes on. He kept bringing and bringing, and then finally the man said, you know, it's unbearable. It's completely unbearable. What, what is happening to me? And then the rabbi said, now take them all out. <laughs> the man said a week later, I am in paradise. It feels so good. <laughs> so that's what we, unfortunately, we human beings are like this. We need things to be taken away so we could appreciate the gifts. And any, any other comment you want or a question you have, Anne? Um, I did the exercise this last week or the week before, and it was it was lovely. It was wonderful. I did the whole imagery, um, you know, walking into the an area and what does it look like and what's there, and it was just a solitary cat, and then there was you know all sorts of beautiful things, and um, it was challenging to find somebody who was my sage, you know, like family-wise, but then all of a sudden, like, Louise Hay and Wayne Dyer and yourself and Gary Knoll, a whole bunch of people popped up, and I was like, oh, okay, here's my sages. But it was it was a wow. wonderful experience, and I thank you for that. Wow, I that's, I, I am honored, you know, to be there. <laughs> By the way, uh, uh, Gary invited me again uh, to, to go to... Texas in, in September, in middle of September, I will go and do another workshop on a different subject. The funny thing is that <laughs> I said again, okay, the other one was on longevity or anti-aging. What what do you want me to talk about this time? And he said, again, whatever you want. <laughs> oh, that's so you know, I came up with an idea. Uh, the, the, the idea I came up with is... Uh, Stay, staying sane in the world that is going crazy. So that's that's my subject, and of course I will be talking about different tools, uh, and I, I don't want to disclose them now. But after I do the program, I will be happy to share with my audience of what I did uh, that workshop. Uh, that sounds that sounds wonderful. I, I would like. To put some joy in there too, staying sane and joyous. <laughs> okay, I think you are very sane. You're more than sane, uh, and joy is coming. Joy is coming. Thank yeah. you very much for sharing. And it comes in waves. It does. Um, I did. I usually did the last Thursday of the month with the dreams, and you had a guest on instead. Um, yes. so, so, will you be doing the dreams this? Um, the last Thursday of this month again? Could I call in then? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you know that I actually uh, I thought about it yesterday as I thought about today's show. I realized that we skipped one, day, one show dedicated to night dreams. But, you know, it's okay. If you want to share with a dream now, you're welcome to do it. We have time. Okay. There's nobody waiting 
So it's so nice. You and before Greg, everybody is so considerate. I'm, I'm happy to see it. Go ahead. Nobody's calling. Okay. So in my dream, I actually wrote it down. It was so it was so amazing. It's it's a beautiful sunny day. It's a perfect temperature. I'm walking on a pristine beach and I'm thinking there's not a soul in sight and I turn around to make sure that this is actually true and nobody is there. And it appears that I'm walking like in an inlet, like in a bay. And I look across, it's maybe a hundred yards or so across the water, and I think it's salty of water that I'm looking across. And there's a lovely little home, like a little cottage on the beach, and and it's visible on the other side of this bay. And I just think, oh, that's that's so lovely. And I, I feel deeply blessed, and I'm, I'm utterly aware of how rare this day is. That it's a perfect temperature. It's it's the quietude, the beauty, the solace. And it's so quiet except for the sounds of, like, the seabirds and the air um, moving through the, like, the grasses. I, I don't know if it's called sedge or not. And, and I'm thinking all these things, and I'm welcoming the warmth of the sand as it embraces my feet with each step. And as I'm coming to what I feel like is the top of a dune, I see a glint of something shiny, like maybe broken glass. It's thin a gentle curve to it, like an incandescent light bulb broke or something. And I want to continue to walk barefoot on this beach. And in real life, I'm always compelled to pick up trash, so I start picking it up, and then I notice more and more, and then I realize I don't have a place to put it. Um, and so, and I don't have any pockets, like I usually do when I'm out on the trails. I usually put it in my pockets. So these pieces of plastic remind me that there's other people on the planet and I continue to collect these you know human detritus and another time like they just blink and and there's a few strangers there and typically in my dreams I'm I feel like I'm supposed to know them so I kind of like pretend like I know them <laughs> um and then I begin, begin interacting with them like that, like as if they're, uh, I'm acquainted with them. And one man is, is attractive, and he's possibly in his late 20s to maybe late 40s. He's the same age as I am in, in my dreams, but I'm never, like, my real age. Um, and he adds his trash to his stash. So he was also collecting it. And I think, how gracious. And I believe there might have been some words exchanged um, but it was just comforting to know that there was another who's aware of man's direct impact on the earth and the beauty and the ecosystems, and there's others to share in its betterment. And that was like the end of the dream. Wow, what a beautiful dream. I know, right? <laughs> when did this dream came about? It was right before the 4th of July weekend. It was before. Right, before 4th of July, but was yeah, it, it was after July. you made the call and I gave you the assignment about the, the joy and working on your uh, dreams being joyful? Was it that before? Was many, many months ago that you gave me that assignment. Sorry, I didn't hear you clearly. Um, you gave that assignment to me many, many months ago. Okay, so then... There are several layers to this dream. Let's start. Let's start working on it as as I usually do. 
uh, first question is, how did you feel upon awakening? Um, I, I guess hopeful, joyous, connected. Yes, yes. Didn't mind this answer. Then the second question is, what was the location? Where was this whole drama unfolding? I have no idea. It wasn't a real place. It was just a, a made-up. Yeah, yeah. And but but it was not a mountain top. It was a seashore. Yeah. Right. Because you said there was salted water there. I think it was salty water, but I wasn't sure. Okay. So, so that's the location. The location where the dream unfolds. It's where your consciousness dwells. Where you and are dwelling emotionally and mentally. So mm -hmm. was it a pleasant stay place? Oh, definitely. Right. The only thing is we notice that in this pleasant place where you are and now we're not talking about just the beach because the beach is representing the place where you are. So in that place, you also notice that there are leftovers things left by humans you that see but or, which means parts of you that are broken you see that there was broken glass and plastic and you are disappointed kind of that, that there are these, these hurtful parts right yes. so and but let's answer the third question if this were a movie and it didn't have a title, what title would you give it? Because the title usually represents what is inside of the drama, what's the main happening of the film. So what is the title? What's, what title would you give to this story? What's the main drama of this dream? I guess shared shared consciousness? I don't know. It was that's good. No, 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 that's good. Remember, not by a chance you meet a man, so there is a feminine, you, and remember everyone in a dream is a part of you. So you, you meet your counterpart, you meet masculine part of you that is also interested in cleaning up the broken parts to make the beach, the shore uh, beautiful. You see? So that's why when you said you woke up, I ask you, how did you feel? You felt hopeful. Because this dream was telling you, in fact, you probably already started doing this assignment that I gave you uh, by working on having positive dreams. But when you begin to work it, when your inner life, you begin to repair your outer life. So what the dream was telling you is that the repair already started. There is definitely something to repair because there are remnants of basically disrespect to nature because people who left it, right? Which means there was something in your life that hurt you. Remember, everyone in the dream are parts of you. So those who left broken pieces also parts of you. The beach is also part of you. That beauty also part of you. And within that beauty, there were parts of you that left pieces. 
which which may hurt even now because remember if on that beach if you would walk you would hurt yourself so the, but the parts the pieces were left by somebody else so those who part of you that created this disorder or mess could hurt you in the present moment but rather than screaming and cursing and saying look what they did which means being rather being than being resentful with yourself what you do in a dream is you begin to correct it and not only by yourself but you discover there are other parts of you there is another part of you the, the masculine part of you and now in you the feminine part of you both are cooperating on cleaning up the beach and, and basically asserting that beauty that exists in nature how about that i love that <laughs> the, the final question is does it correspond with what is happening in your waking life yes i am definitely challenged by you know things you know that have been disappointing um and broken and whatnot yes if i've always I've, i've tried to always take responsibility and not point a finger at somebody and well if only they didn't or whatever it's always no i had a choice at that moment in time and i chose this or that and i, I try to you know bring forgiveness to you know i'm very good at well pretty good at forgiving myself i think i'm very good at this point but when others are hurtful to those that I love. And they're supposed to love this person also, but they're bringing they're going against what these people's wishes are. That for me is very challenging to um to accept. Yes. It would be all for all of us, but one thing we have to remember. You just said something. Those people who hurt somebody what they are supposed to love we have a problem with this that's your assumption they are supposed to love uh, what if they are not loving people you see what if they are people who are not capable what if a person let's say who is hurting someone you care about what what if the assault the assaulter i don't know if such there is such word the offender is is an invalid emotionally invalid who is not pay, capable to give love see but you're hurting for the person who is being mistreated have compassion also for the person who assaults because this person is is an invalid because he or she is not capable to see the beauty uh and love you see that's where i've been i've been trying to that's where i finally gotten to just recently is exactly that is well they're not capable they're capable of loving one another you know in their own family but when it comes to outside of their own little world it's they think that they're being loving but in from my perspective they're it's the antithesis of you know it's the opposite of what what you know our parents were asking for yes but you see you 
you see them as not being loving, but they may think that they're loving. That's yeah. the love that they're capable of. So yeah. That's the best they can do. So my, my, my advice would be rather than, uh, in fact, uh, uh, Jesus taught, do not fight the evil, strengthen the good. Rather than resenting them for being not loving and giving, focus on being loving and giving to those toward whom they are not loving and giving. You give more, because those people who are mistreated, they're in the minus. And your lovingness and givingness will balance that minus. See? I truly believe that, yes, definitely. You know, I came I say this always to people, you know, you don't need to be resentful of anyone. You can actually, or not you, but I, I wouldn't hesitate killing somebody. Just because I feel that it's my right if somebody wants to kill me. I would have, there are people who total pacifists and they would rather die than kill somebody else. I feel, and it's part of my religion, that if somebody wants to kill you or, or someone you love, your family, it's your responsibility to kill them. So, but I could kill somebody without hating them, without resenting them, because I understand that if they want to kill me, if I were like them, if I grew up like them in their environment, with their genetic makeup, with their ancestral history, possibly spiritual meaning uh, from the incarnation that they came uh, carrying their past life experiences, if I had all that they have in them, I would act the same way. So mm. therefore, I blame them. That's why I say to people, say anything you want to. I will accept it, just don't touch me. <laughs> if you touch, then, then I have a right to protect myself. That's why I studied martial arts. I, I taught my children martial arts. You have to be able to stand up for yourself. But you don't need to hate them, because if, if they act in a certain way, that's the very best they can do. It's their story. If somebody is offensive with you, they say words. Nobody can offend you. They can act in an offensive way. Whether or not you get offended, it's a matter of your attitude. When somebody says something negative, it tells you about them, who they are. It has nothing to do with you. It's their story. It becomes your story the moment you begin to resent them. How dare they? Now it's your story. And now there are two people who are angry. But otherwise, no. In the same thing, these people, remember, since if you accept, as I do, that nothing happens by a chance, these people who you care about and who are mistreated by other people who, as you said, are supposed to care, it's not by a chance that this, they're in this relationship. Nothing happens by a chance. It's not by a chance that these nice, good people that you love, that they have also people who are offending them, who are mistreating them. It's not by a chance. It's always a reciprocal relationship. But also it's not by a chance that they have you. So let them benefit from your relationship and give them more extra so that they feel so, your love and not hurt as much 
from the people who mistreat them. How about that? I love that. I, I love their, it's their story, but once you bring the resentment in, then you make it yours. So, yeah, let, let them keep their story. And, I, I mean, I wish them well. I, I just hope that they, at a certain point in time, can realize, you know, hopefully they, when they, their time they, comes, people will be gentle with them and not do unto them what they did unto their own parents, you know. I, they may in this lifetime, or they may not. This is not in our hands. That's yeah. totally not in our hands. So, but to conclude about the dream, the dream really is a, a beautiful dream that is reflective. You know, remember, some dreams come uh, with the need for correction. In this dream, there is absolutely nothing to correct. It was a dream of reflecting to you the changes that you made. That is, you making, doing a repair to whatever broken parts of you that were polluting the beautiful world that you inhabit. And not only you, but all parts of you. That young, attractive man is another part of you. So the, the dream simply was reflecting positive changes that you chose to make in your life. Congratulations, and from Franklin, New Jersey. <laughs> Thank you, thank you so much. That you made my day. <laughs> you made my day. Thank you very much for calling. <laughs> How lovely. Thank you very much, Dr. Resnick. You're very welcome. Bye bye. Bye for now. Bye. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have only six minutes left to to this show, but I'm so happy that Greg and Anne called. Uh, and again, you, you're absolutely welcome to call. If, if Greg called, uh, uh, and he, like he said himself, uh, he had anxiety about uh, calling in, speaking in public, so and Greg took a risk. Uh, I probably quoted to my teacher of blessed memory, Colette, who said, nothing of value happens unless you make a leap into uncertainty. We have to be willing to take risks. And Greg, and I, I don't know, many people feel apprehensive, uncomfortable, calling. Uh, strangers will be listening to them. Uh, even Anne, who is, sounds brave and, and confident, probably at some point cringed a little bit and, and took a breath and made a call. So, and you will be supported and... Uh, We'll, we'll have our dialogue. Anyway, uh, going back to concluding this journey on six pillars of well-being, I have to tell you something regarding this journey. By now, I would be asking you questions. Uh, what did you learn? What you accomplished? How is your willpower? Did you make life changes? Uh, but this program got stretched over a period of pretty much two and a half years. I introduced to you the six pillars of well-being, February 23rd, 2021. So really two and a half years ago. So I don't know how much you practiced uh, all these tools, but 
there is yet another part I just realized recently that I skipped. And I, let me keep you in suspense, but I have to tell you, I'm glad that I told you that it exists, the Six Pillars of Wellbeing exists as a, a audio program, uh, but I, I was planning to pitch to publishers uh, or to agents uh, this book to be published. And I just, a month ago, I realized that there is one yet another part of um, six pillars of well-being or totality of some of a person's well-being was missing. And I will have to include it in this book. So and since I'm going to include it in this book, I'm going to share it with you, ladies and gentlemen. So next week, I will tell you what that part is. And for now, it's time for me to say goodbye. I want to thank you all for participating, for being with us today. Uh, I'm hoping and uh, kind of uh, enjoying the thought that I will have your attention next week. Uh, it became already part of my life doing this show, and I love when people call in. So be happy, enjoy your week, peace to all who want to live in peace.